0: All right. we uh, have been talking about knowing the will of God. Uh, A lot of it has been uh, 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 a challenge to to the church here as as to what we're going to do, what God wants us to do in terms of growing the church. Because as you can see, it's packed out again this morning. It's been like this for quite some time. Uh, There's hundreds of people down, even in the cafe at times. Last Sunday, they had to pull out more chairs because there were so many people going down there. It's a wonderful problem to have the parking is getting to be really somewhat of a zoo out there um, so we are set with a challenge what are we going to do and I talked last week about God's will uh, let me do toss one thing out to you something that you could prayerfully consider uh, there's lots of things that we can do, and we will do, and uh, some of you we're going to ask you to help us in order to be able to do in terms of launching a new campus and stuff like that, but the easiest thing that you could do right away, if at all possible, is for some of you to come to the 8.30 service. Now, I know that would be a shock to many of your systems (laughs) to actually get out of bed in a timely manner, but... uh, you know, it's it's easy. it doesn't cost you any. There's no money involved. No one has to be tortured, except that the alarm clock goes off. That might feel like torture. Uh, you know, so if if at all possible for you, um, you know, if we could get a chunk of you, a hundred even, to move to the earlier service, that would help. Although I must admit, even the first service this morning, I don't know if it would have made a whole lot of difference. I don't know what to tell you. We are overrunning here with people. And it's great. Don't go away. Keep coming. But if some of you would do that little step, that would help a little bit. But we're going to have to do something. And so we were talking last week about God's will. And what we said about God's will is God's will is really more about uh, what's happening inside of you than what you're supposed to do. So often when we talk about God's will, everybody thinks, well, what should I do? It, it, it all boils down to, what should I do for a job? Where, where should I work? Where should I be? You know, and it's, it's really, that's the smallest part of God's will. Uh, unless there's something really dramatic for you to do, um, I would say it's 95-5, like 5% of God's will, what you actually do, where you work, all that kind of stuff. The bulk of God's will is who you are inside and what He wants you to be, and the kind of person that He wants you to be. Okay, not so much in exactly what uh, what you do. Now, Today we're going to continue a little bit on this subject, uh, bring this out, about why God is concerned about who you are and what you do, and the fact why he does have a will for you, and, and, and why you're important in his grand scheme of things. So <clears throat> to take a look at this, uh, I want us to, to consider uh, this morning, and some of you who've been here for a while have heard me speak of this, but there's a lot of new people, but it's good to hear things over and over again. The truth of the matter is why we're even on this earth. The the fact of the matter is we are in the midst of the greatest pause in eternity. We are in the greatest halftime in the game of eternity. Okay? For bazillions of years, I assume, heaven clicked along in a glorious, wonderful, fabulous way. But then one day, one guy who really thought very highly of himself named Lucifer decided to cause a rebellion in eternity. I want to take a look at it this morning a little bit. Now, we know what his motivation was. We read of it in Isaiah. It says, uh, talking of Satan, he said, You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne Above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly. On the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. This guy had a serious ego problem. He was in love with himself. He was a beautiful angel. And just thought after being there for whoever knows how long. Now we don't know how long this went on before Satan rebelled. We don't know how old he was. My guess probably about 15 but uh but but it might have been gazillions of years we don't know before he decides to rebel against everything and uh but he just gets so caught up in who he is and how great he is, and he's looking around thinking, "Man, I can do this better. I would be much better than this. I am so beautiful and fabulous so now that his that's his motivation, but the question really is. What did he tell everybody else? Because I don't think him going around saying, look, I'm so cool, why don't you follow me, would be enough to pull it off. He had to say something to them. Now consider what he did. He got one third of all of the angels in creation to join him in rebelling against God. How do you pull that off? These are angels for crying out loud. It's one thing for him to fool us. You know, we're just people. We don't know jack squat. You know, we can't see God. We don't, you know, we're all just, you know, we don't have eternal. We can't fly around and zip around in the clouds. And all. Angels who are in perfect harmony with God, with all the blessings of God and how cool heaven must be. A third of them. Now, I assume that's got to be quite a chunk because knowing God, he's into just populating like crazy, okay? To take a third of them and convince them That Satan's approach to this would be better than God's. Whoa! What did he say to these guys? Now I have no... Well, I've got to guess. There's no record in the Bible of what he said. But knowing the way Satan has always dealt with people. All the way from Adam and Eve, all the way even up to us today. If there's one message he's constantly challenging in people's heads. It is this message. Which I believe is the message he used to confuse these angels. And that is this. God... Doesn't really care about you. Does God really love you? I mean come on. Think of it. Does God really care about you? He doesn't really care about you. Who are you? You're a nothing. You're a nobody. You're insignificant. You're an accident. Your mama told you so. You know. You don't really matter. And it's this kind of doubting. That I believe created the rebellion. Satan undoubtedly somehow pulled off to these angels. That God really Didn't care about them. That God didn't really have their best interests at heart. And that if you follow me. Man I'll make your life really mean something. So anyway. There's this incredible rebellion that happens in eternity. This had to be cataclysmic. Can't even say it. Huge. Massive. This massive conflict in the heavens. And God triumphs. And take Satan and his angels and cast them down. Flicks them down. Flicks them like a booger. Just like that. Now Jesus recalls this when he talks in uh, Luke the 10th chapter. He had just sent uh, 72 of his followers all over Jer- uh, Israel to preach the gospel. And said, man, pray for people to get healed. If you see demons and stuff, you should be able to cast them out. Anyway, these guys were having a blast. And they come back to report to Jesus. We read about it in Luke the 10th chapter. It says, the 72 returned with Joy. This was a rise of the Lord. Even the demons submit to us in your name. Wow, this is so cool. And Jesus replied, he says, you know, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, which I believe is an analogy of, of evil spirits. I really don't think God wants us jumping around on snakes and scorpions. If I see a snake or a scorpion, I ain't jumping on it. And to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you, he says. However, he says, don't rejoice that the spirits are submitted to you, but rejoice that your names are written in in heaven. That's the greatest miracle. Not that God can heal somebody. Not that God can change your life. Not that God can answer your prayer. The greatest miracle is that he can forgive you of your sins. And that your name can be written in the book of life. That you can have eternal life in his name. But anyway, Jesus reflects. He says, I was there. I saw it. When Satan was cast down. So what we saw basically is that God wins. But has the question been answered? I believe in point of fact what had happened was God throws Satan out of this huge conflict and boom! He cast them all down, and then there's this huge pause in silence afterwards. It's kind of like you know, when your boss comes in screaming and hollering Rah! and he walks away, and everybody's like or dad goes psycho in the house everybody gets real quiet you know (sighs) what's going to happen now and they're waiting now what's the response to this remember all that's been determined now is that God is stronger strength does not necessarily dictate what's right right I could have an argument with Kabir this morning he could throw me out like a booger doesn't mean that he's right. Just means he's way bigger than me. <laughs> okay? It just shows strength. The question has the question been answered? This challenge that God, does he really care about people? Does he really care about creation? And he throws Satan out, and all of a sudden everything, whoa, what was that? That was, whoa. And then all of a sudden, God comes to earth and starts playing around. He rolls back the water. He turns on the lights. That would be the sun. (laughs) For those of you who ain't following the analogy here. (laughs) Turn on the lights? How do you do that? (laughs) Turns on the lights and and pulls back the water. and, And dry ground appears. And he starts creating life in the earth. And all of eternity is going. What's he doing? I even believe the devil and his angels are all going. What's he doing? Remember, they haven't been cast to hell yet. When people say, you know, the devil's in hell. No, 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 he's not. He's going all over the place, causing all kinds of trouble for you and for me and for millions of people and creating wars and famines. People say, if there's a God, why is all there wars and diseases? Because there's a devil, that's why. Causing all this trouble. He hasn't gone to hell yet it's all yet to take place they're waiting for the final hammer but God has not brought the final hammer and all of a sudden he comes to earth and he starts playing around and he creates man woman in his own image breathes the breath of life into them well Satan looks at this and what is this I mean he just deceived a third of the angels do you think he's going to have a hard time with these two little scrawny things walking around this is nothing to him in fact, he's so insulted, he doesn't even go himself. He gets a serpent to go tell him and deceive him. That's how much Satan despises you. He doesn't even want to show up. Send something else. Serpent comes, deceives Adam and Eve. Sin comes into the earth. God promises, I have a way of redemption for you. And now God begins to show his love and compassion in the lives of people. And all of eternity is watching what's going on. In fact, they're watching you and me right now. And they're watching what happens when someone serves God with their whole heart versus those who choose to follow Satan's ways. This is a fascinating thing that's going on right now. And by the way, you need to understand, when God created all this, He created it. He did it. I don't think we evolved over millions and millions and millions of years and lightning flashed because we don't know where the lightning came from and the water did this we don't know where the water came from but all this stuff happened and we crawled out like a little bug one day and turned into a cockroach and then into a bunny rabbit and crawled up a tree turned into a monkey and fell out in a business suit one day know that's how it's a (laughs) perfectly logical yes that's how it happened yes 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 I can't believe in God. That takes too much faith. No, but I can believe this other stupidity. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Good grief. (laughs) It takes way more faith to believe these people's version of affairs. I'm telling you. And the scientific backing for this stuff is full of holes like crazy. And people start challenging it today. They just have a cow. There's this great movie out right now. I want to show show you a a trailer of this thing. Uh, It's called Expelled that challenges all this nonsense about evolution. Let's roll the film. I was viewed as an intellectual terrorist. If you have questioned Darwinism, that's it. Your career is over. I have been told to shut up. Just stand up and question Darwinism. You'll find out how risky that is. There are people out there who want to keep science in a little box where it can't possibly touch God. Religion. I mean, it's just fantasy, basically. Scientists are not allowed to even think thoughts that involve an intelligent creator. We cannot accept to treat intelligent design as an alternative scientific theory i'm frightened by this but i'm not going to let it stop me from investigating from speaking about it Fire. Fire. Anyway, it's a pretty cool film Actually, if you have teenagers in your home Every one of you fathers Don't make your wives do it Every one of you fathers should take your teenagers to see this film Sit down with them Watch this film Talk about it afterwards It is a fascinating, fascinating thing So do it, man up Step up Anyway So if God creates the heavens and the earth and he's doing all this Why is he doing this? I say he's doing it so that he can demonstrate to eternity, and answer the challenge that was put forth does God really care and of course the ultimate demonstration of his caring is when he sends Jesus and God himself in the form of man takes our punishment and dies for the sins of the world I think the whole of eternity must have thought what are you doing they're just people they're like ants just squish them all that's what I'd have done. Be glad, be glad I'm not God. But he becomes one of us and pays the ultimate price and redeems us from the curse of sin. We read about it in Ephesians. But, God, but because of his great love for us, and I don't think any of us really comprehends how great this is, what he did. His great love because of that. God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, which is a fancy fancy word for sins. It is by grace you have been saved. We talked about this last week. The real miracle of Christianity is that unlike other, other religions in the world, where you know, you work from the outside in. Even some Christians do this. Some you know, Christian churches. You know, it's all about the outside. You know, Clean up this. Make sure you do this. Don't do that. La, 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 And they're hoping that they can somehow transform on the inside by working it from the outside in. That's not Christianity. Real Christianity is exactly, exactly the opposite. It is God working from the inside out. You don't do it from the outside in trying to make yourself holy. He comes and by his grace, he makes you holy. And then you work that to the outside. It still affects what you do. What you do is important. Don't kid yourself. A lot of people think, well, man, I just believe in Jesus. I can live like the devil. No, 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 no. You still need to work this out so that it touches. But it's not about the other way. You don't make yourself holy. It's his grace inside of you. That's the incredible grace of, and the mystery of, of Christianity. And it says this, that God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms uh, in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? He totally identifies with us. Just like we walk around with Christ in our lives down here, and in a sense Jesus is actually here. In a very real sense, you are in his heart up there. And have a high standard and a high seating in eternity. In fact, the Bible says angels actually long to look into this stuff. I believe angels look at us and go, wow, man, I wish I could get in on that. Where most of us, if we had a chance to choose between being here or being an angel, most of us go, oh, I'll be an angel. This place stinks. You know what I'm saying? They're thinking, man, I'd trade with those guys. Because the Bible says someday when we get to heaven, we're going to be rated higher even than the angels. You say, how's that possible? Because of his grace. That's what happens when he comes to you and so identifies with you. The Bible says we become joint heirs with Christ. We are part of God in the sense. And we tap into his riches. It's like the inheritance of God. Man, how would you like to be a joint heir with Bill Gates? Wouldn't that be great? Especially if you die, then you get it. You know what I'm saying? Well, we are joint heirs with Christ. This is an incredible thing. And, And you know, when you talk about this, most people just look at you and go... Because we don't get it. We don't realize how rich we are. We really don't. What is happening in you because of God's grace is it's just, it's completely mind-blowing. I'm sure when most of us die and go to heaven, we're just going to go, wow, holy cow, I didn't know. I never realized what was happening on the inside. So this is an, is an incredible thing. But, so why would God do that? Why would God take a bunch of broken, sinful, imperfect people like us and put such much glory in us and show so much kindness to us? Why would he want to help you succeed? Why would he want to so bless your life? What we see here, the next verse, he says, he does all this in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. In other words, if this question ever comes up again throughout the ions of eternity, if anyone ever steps forward again and doubts that God really loves that he's really willing to bless that he really cares about his creation he is going to point them to you and he's going to say look at this guy go talk to gunger he was a loser <laughs> check him out hear his story and he's going he wants to so bless your life and help you succeed and do this right so that throughout the Centuries of eternity they'll never ever 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 again be a cataclysmic rebellion against God challenging his love and the very thing that is guaranteeing that is his kindness that he's showing in you and the grace that he's showing in you the fact that even though you've made some really dumb mistakes in your life even though you've done some horrible things made poor decisions that his grace is his forgiveness, His mercy and kindness is so strong and powerful in you that all of eternity will look at you and go, Wow, he does care. He does care. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward and get ready to serve communion. Our musicians can work their way back up here as well. It goes on to say, Paul writes, he says, You know, for it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I mean, there's, there's nothing you can do. We can't earn this. You can't get this grace of God in your life. You can't get this forgiveness in you. You can't be good enough. You can't pay enough money for it. If you could, Jesus would have just said, hey, just be good enough, work it out. But he knew that we were eternally and hopelessly lost. Your only hope for salvation this morning is in Jesus Christ. He, motivated by his incredible love, as a demonstration to all of eternity, wants to take your life, no matter where you're at, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter what disasters you've had, and forgive you. And take nothing and turn it into something take where there's no value and create great value in you it is a fabulous thing that we have here that God is doing all of this so that this question will never ever happen again this challenge will never ever come up again he continues to write he says for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do God is doing all of this again so that throughout the ages of eternity, we will be His shining examples of His incomparable, life changing, amazing, amazing, amazing grace. Hallelujah. But well, if you're here this morning and you've never really tasted of this grace, You've never had God working from the inside out in your life. You're thinking, well, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm trying." You've been trying to do it from the outside in. It's not going to cut it. You need to come to Him and ask for His grace inside of your life. So that you can be, as He said, born again and transformed from the inside out. This is the real message of Christianity. If you're willing to put your trust in Him instead of in yourself... In his grace instead of what you can or cannot do. In his grace rather than judging yourself better than anybody else around you. If you're willing to do that this morning. If you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong in your life. And put your faith in him. You can begin your life of faith this morning. You too can become part of this wonderful eternal story of redemption. That God is writing right now hallelujah I don't know if this means much to you but man this just charges me up I just think this is so cool that he's doing this in my life at 16 years of age just a dope head of nothing flunking out of school at war with everybody around me no prospects for the future Jesus Christ came into my life and changed me took nothing It's making something out of nothing. And all of that. So that throughout all eternity. He can show how much he really, really, really cares. About his creation. I like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer. If you've never done that. If you've never taken that step of faith this morning. I'm going to ask us all to pray this prayer together. And if you will pray this prayer. And mean this from the bottom of your heart. You can begin your first steps of faith. In knowing Christ this morning. Let's pray together. Say dear Jesus. I believe you are the son of God. That you love me so much. You went to the cross. And you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life. And forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen. Amen.